today. Have you come to bless the Lord? I said, have you come to bless the Lord? Amen. Let's stand together and give Him worthy honor and glory today. Lord, we bless you. We praise you, O oh God. Lord, we lift you in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you. Thank you for the promise of your presence, O oh God, and that's our dependence today. We are dependent upon your touch, Lord. Amen. Amen. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we the first part of the second verse if you would please start back in the second verse one more time the second verse there you go thanks your presence in this place your glory on our face everybody look around at everybody one time just one time look around at everybody around you does that look like the glory of God does it look like the glory of God look at your neighbor does it look like the glory of God does it look like the glory of God? Ask yourself, do I feel like I look like I have the glory of God on me right now? Okay, we're not dependent upon a feeling. This, the second part of that verse, descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now. Lord, unveil our eyes. Pastor preached this last couple weeks about, Lord, we want to see you Un unveiled our eyes like the uh, the servant to Elijah I think it was Elijah said Lord open his eyes so we can see what God is doing just realize for a moment God is really doing something now tell your face that okay say face God is really going to do something in my life he's going to do something in my neighbor's life so I I can act like it. I can tell the devil, devil, I can act like you're going to do something. So don't let the doubt and the fear and the condemnation from him tell you how you got to act. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us. Thank you. The first part of that verse again. Second verse. Thank you. Your presence in this place, your glory on our face. We're looking to the sky. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now, Lord, unveil our eyes. 
Turn me around, I 
encourage yourself in the Lord, you just can't. Maybe when the, the verse says, he would never put more on us than we could bear. Maybe the only comfort you have is we know the, this present suffering will never compare to the future glory. Hopefully one of those verses is where you're at. If you're going through that right now, just call on Jesus. He can make a change. He can do the work. Oh, Lord, we lift you. Pray, God, come. Turn this thing around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Oh, God, turn it around.
something God is doing something right now he is up to something he is up to something God is doing something right now he is healing someone he is saving someone God is doing something right now he is healing someone he is saving someone God is doing something right now he is moving mountains making a way for someone God is doing something right now he is moving mountains making a way for someone God is doing something right now he is moving mountains making a way for someone God is doing something right now he is moving mountains making a way for someone God is doing something in all of my hope is in the name the name of Jesus breakthrough Jesus, 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can somebody shout hallelujah? So good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. God is already working in the house, moving and ministering, and that's what it's all about today. If you're glad to be here, say amen. amen. On Wednesday nights, we have been on a lesson about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works, um, the order of the Holy Spirit, uh, different topics. If you have missed our Wednesday nights, I'm going to tell you something. I know last week, you should go back to last week at least and listen to the sermon, not because our teaching, not because I was teaching it. I don't want you to think. I just want you to hear it because I did it. But it was a learning time. I had people tell me, said, Pastor, I've never even heard that preached. And I said, well, it's right there in the Bible. Preachers just don't talk about it much. And um, so it was a good, good night, and I enjoyed it. And tonight, or this morning rather, we are going to kind of connect to what we talked about that night, but we're going to get into more of the Holy Spirit. While I'm on this topic, I might as well just keep on going there. And today I want to talk on the topic, the atmosphere of Pentecost is what I'm going to talk about today. The atmosphere of Pentecost. If you have your Bibles in the book of Acts, chapter 1 is where I want to go. I want to thank God for our Facebook audience, and I welcome you guys today. We had someone last week that gave a special offering when they heard about the kids, wanted to donate to that, and gave a, a nice, generous offering for that, helping with the, the gifts for kids. We do several during the Christmas season, and so we appreciate the givers online that so often help us out uh, as far as the finances of a church are concerned. May God bless you. One of the things that one individual told me in an email was that I need to quit, you know, trying to hurry. I need to just preach longer. Now, now I'm going to tell you all something. I've got a touch of ADHD. I've got a touch of OCD. Have I been diagnosed? No, I have not. I'm scared to go to the doctor because they'll probably come up with a new letter in the alphabet to diagnose me. And we can't have that happening. 
But to sit there and listen to somebody on a computer screen or a television for that long, it's just hard to keep my attention. Like when I watch movies, they've got to be action-packed. Or either I'm wandering like a little squirrel just trying to... And I look back at the screen and say, how did that happen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you may be like that. But I thank God that I had an online viewer that told me I need to preach longer. So I might just preach longer today. If he can sit there and watch it, then surely you can sitting in the church, right? All right, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1. I want to read this very familiar passage of Scripture. Let's go to it, verse 4. Let's roll. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, this is Jesus, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come that you'll free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power. There's some things you don't need to worry about. There's some things you don't need to concern yourself with. You don't have the answers to everything. You are not going to find the answers to everything. In other words, they're worried about the end time and God's saying to them, listen, you need to worry about what's important right now. Don't worry about when the Lord's coming. He's the only one that knows the day or the time. What you need to do is understand that you will receive power after or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You're going to be my witnesses. You'll tell people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained, they're squinching their eyes to see him rising. In the heaven, two white-robed men, angels, suddenly stood among them, men of Galilee. They said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven. In the same way you saw him go, look after each other. Look after each other and be ready when he comes. I want to speak today the atmosphere of Pentecost. When I look at my text today, there was a certain atmosphere, which means a mood or a feeling. It's kind of like when you go to a restaurant, right? They have the dim lights. What does that mean? Honey, we're going to a romantic dinner tonight. And when you walk in that restaurant, the mood has been set. The atmosphere, they have been intentional to make sure it's a calm and a relaxing experience for you and your close one, your friend, your whoever it is, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, to enjoy that moment together in a quiet little booth. It has been set. You go to a little place and they got a little jazz. I've, I've been to places where they play a little jazz in the corner with the drums. Oh man, I love that. That's amazing. I wish we had one of those around here. I'd be there every weekend. I love it in the background. Just a little jazz music. Just, it sets the mood. It, it sets the atmosphere to where other things don't matter. I just, I just get in that moment. I'm enjoying that moment. It, 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 it's like a bar. I hope any of y'all haven't been to one of those lately. But there's a certain atmosphere. There's smoke in the air. Not from a machine from the lips of someone. They're just smoking. There's alcohol. This is the atmosphere. Every place that you enter has a specific and certain atmosphere, a mood, a feeling, or a climate, we could call it, just like your HVAC unit that you use to set the client, 
But there was a certain atmosphere in my text that was conducive or in alignment to what God was going to do in their lives. You understand? Sometimes we want power without preparation. We want this Holy Spirit in our lives. We want the Holy Spirit in our churches. But we do not want to prepare an atmosphere to where he can come in and say, I am welcome there. These people want my presence there. There is a yearning in their hearts, a desire. And see, God knows. God knows today. Pastor Brian was talking about the faces. Well, sometimes we can tell because we look at the face and we read your face. And we say, this person looks very unpleasant to be here. But there's times that I've walked into a room and I've grinned the biggest I've grinned. And I was going through the worst battle I've ever been through. You can't always read the face because we can hide the face. Some of us aren't good at it. We just wear our feelings on our sleeves and on our shoulders and we can't hide it. You know when they're down. I used to have a pastor every time he walked into church. I knew whether he was encouraged or discouraged. And I thought, what an encouragement to me. Here I am coming to be uplifted in the spirit. And I've got a pastor up there that I think's about the backslide. Why in the world am I going to hold on? You understand that, that sometimes we can see it, but God, he really already knows how we feel and what our desire of our heart is. But the command that God gave them was you tarry in Jerusalem. You tarry until the spirit falls. You sometimes we just need to prepare to tarry. Sometimes we need to be ready to wait. Sometimes we have to tarry or wait until the spirit falls. We've got to tarry and wait until a miracle comes. We have to wait until our chains begin to fall off. We have to prepare ourselves for what God is getting ready to do. So this is where it gets interesting. God does not pour his spirit into just any atmosphere. I want you to get it. How many, how many bars you been in where revival just broke out because the Holy Ghost just fell in there? That's not the atmosphere God desires. Cursing and smoking and ranting and using God's name. In fact, you think the Holy Spirit wants to move in that place? There is a certain atmosphere. And God doesn't just pour His Spirit out in the any atmosphere. We aren't talking about setting a mood today that is appealing to our flesh, but we are looking for an atmosphere that can literally host or house what God is trying to release into our atmosphere here today at Gap Hill Church. In my text, God is setting the stage, an atmosphere for Pentecost. The first point I want you to grab, if you grab nothing else, is this. What is in the people gets into the atmosphere. If you heard me, could you say amen so I'll know you out there. Amen. Thank y'all. What is in the people naturally gets into the atmosphere. What does that mean, Pastor? See, I don't want what is in me today to hinder the atmosphere in this church. I don't want what is inside of my heart to be a hindrance to what the Holy Spirit wants to do among us today. 
When I think about what is inside of us, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean, there's some people that got anger in their hearts. Right? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. I want to show you something here. Some people have anger. Some people have jealousy. Some people have strife in their hearts. Does anybody know what strife is? And I'm not reading the scripture yet for you. They're looking at the screen. I haven't got there yet. Strife in your heart. You know what strife is? That tension that you... Have you ever walked into a, into a room and you could just feel the tension? I have walked in the church services where I felt the tension so strong that I thought, dear God, I want to dig a hole and just crawl in it this morning. Some of you have been to your family reunions and felt that way. Some of you go to Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners with the family and you feel the tension when Bob walks in. Everybody knows the atmosphere is taking on whatever is inside. The people is, is rubbing off into the atmosphere. People that have gossip in their heart, hatred in their heart, that have stinginess in their heart, that have bitterness. Have you ever been angry with God? I've had moments. Even Job had moments where he began to question God and says, what in the world are you doing to me? There was one place that he even said these words. He said, you know what? I'm convinced it would have been better if I wouldn't have even been born than to deal with what I'm dealing with. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can get bitter towards God in the middle of our crisis. Sometimes even as individuals, we can get bitter towards one another. That's right. I don't like the way you looked at me when I walked to the pulpit this morning, buddy. We can develop this bitterness in our heart, but I want you to see what God said. Now you can look at the screen. Look after each other. That means you got to watch out for each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. How many will it corrupt? Well, that's the key word. It will corrupt Many. In other words, when bitterness gets into a congregation, it will spread from one person to the other person. God says, I cannot move in that kind of atmosphere. There has to be a change in the mood of things. But while we have these negative things, we also have people that walk in with some good things. So while negative things can rub off in an environment... And what is in the people gets in the atmosphere. Some people walk in with thanksgiving when they walk in the door on Sunday morning, thankful that they're alive and well. They're just thankful to be here. They know they could be dead six foot under, but they thank God today that they're still alive and breathing. There's some people that walk in with praise in their heart. And they lift their hands and they give God glory. Some people walk in with appreciation, humility, with honor to this great and mighty God. They, they walk in with a prayer. God, would you move in today's service? God, would you touch hearts that need it? Whatever is in you is going to get into the atmosphere. And you don't want something in you that will hinder this atmosphere. Amen. Understand with me today. You know, even in our lives, I think about this the other day when I was studying. If you want more of God in your house, we have to ask ourselves, what is in us? Are y'all still with me? If you are a negative person, parent, 
and all you ever do is speak negative about everybody, what do you think your kids are going to do? They're going to be negative just like you are. We have houses that grow up and they talk about the pastor or talk about leaders or anybody, talk about their this and that and the other. And when they talk about them, next thing you know, we raise up a generation that has that same attitude and negative outlook on anybody that's in leadership because all they ever heard their parents say was down everybody that led anything. They never did it right. They never, oh God, help me today. What is in the parent is rubbing off into the atmosphere, releasing into the atmosphere, and then it gets into our children. So what I've been praying is, God, let me check out what is inside of me. Help me, Lord, to have only good things inside of me, and let me change the atmosphere of every room that I walk into. Y'all have had people that walked into the room that you wish to God they would have never came in, right? Don't everybody shout at once. But haven't you had those people that walked into the room and when they walked in, you were so glad to see them because you knew you were going to hear a joke or they were going to make you laugh. They were going to make you feel better about yourself even though you don't feel really good when they walked in the room. It's because people, what's inside of them. I'm going to preach here. I'm trying to figure this thing out. It takes a minute to set the atmosphere, right? If, 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 if I were to give you an example today, it would be like your HVAC unit. Do you know what that is? That's your heat and air conditioner. Now, if you were to go home today and it was literally freezing in there, you can cut on the heat. But heating or cooling a building, and I've got good notes here, takes time because of the physical properties of materials and the principles of heat and air transfer. When you want to warm up a cold building, you are essentially trying to change the temperature of the air and the objects that are inside that building. Is it starting to make sense? In other words, this piano, if it gets really cold in here, that piano's cold to the touch. Do you know that they've told us that if we do extreme temperatures and have it really, really hot in here during the summer and don't keep the air on and then we drop the air, that piano right there is going to go out of tune because it can't handle all those changes. If it gets cold in here, I feel that piano and that piano is cool to the touch. But as the heat begins to rise, it gets warmer because the objects inside of the building have to be warmed up as well as the air. Now I understand the spiritual struggle and why we can't reach a spiritual climate. I understand it is the mixture of people in the atmosphere that calls us to not be able to get it ideal for everybody. See, today I'm hot, but I'm exerting a lot more energy than anybody else in this building. Maybe all y'all together today. I'm fixing to strip this tile off and throw it like a serpent. I'm hot, and I'm sweating, and I'm angry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not angry. <laughs> half mad and half anointed. No, I'm not. 
But today, I remember when I was starting pastoring, one of, one of my mentors told me, he said, Jimmy, the one thing that you're going to figure out, there's two things you can't fix. You can't fix the sound system to where to fit everybody's ears. It's not going to happen. It's going to be too loud for brother so-and-so and too low for sister so-and-so who can't hardly hear. Just do the best you can, son. Get it in the middle and just call it a day. That's all you can do. That's all right. Sounds good. Said another thing that you're going to have to deal with is the heat in the air conditioner. And I learned a long time ago, people be walking, oh, Pastor Jimmy, I'm freezing to death. And I'm sitting here and I told one, I said, just bring a blanket with you. We'd rather you cover up and some of these people start taking off clothes in here. I mean, if we weigh the options, just bring an extra jacket, would you, if you're that cold-blooded. The point is, I can't get the temperature just right for everybody today. If it was up to me, I would tell Pastor Brian right now, and you may need to cut on some air on me before I die, but I would tell him, cut it to 60, baby, and let's freeze. That's the way we're going to get moving, right? Or you will freeze like a little popsicle on the pew. The chosen frozen of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? We can't get it just right. But what I'm learning and I pastored for a long time is that I always walk into environments and spaces called churches where I've got a group of people that are just ready for Pentecost. Their heart is longing for something like they've never seen before. And I've got another group that would sit on their pew to Jesus comes and they don't care if we have another move of God. It doesn't matter to them. They are satisfied where they are. I've got one group that is saying, I want to operate in excellence. I've got another group that's saying mediocrity is just good. At least we're better than the little church down the road that runs 20 people on Sunday morning. I mean, we can't get it right. But if we could ever get a climate an atmosphere set just right. What in the world could the Spirit do among us in this house? Look at Acts 2. Let me just take you there. I'll read the scripture to you. i got to hurry. In Acts chapter 2. I want to show you this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were what? They were all... There was not a handful that said, I don't know if this Pentecost thing is real or not. There wasn't a handful that said, well, I kind of doubt that this is really going to do like Jesus said. They were all with one accord in one place. When they got the climate and the atmosphere right for Pentecost, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting there appeared on them cloven tongues or divided tongues as a fire and sat on them and they were how many? They were, verse 4, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. When the atmosphere and the climate was right, the Spirit of God came in like a mighty rushing wind. What are you trying to tell me, Pastor? I am trying to tell you that what we need to do in our churches is we need to set the atmosphere right for Pentecost and whatever is conducive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Whatever God wants to do in our midst, that is the environment that we want to have. The atmosphere changes everything. When you think about God, God is picky about his atmosphere. 
What does that mean? Well, this is the God that drove out people with the whip because they were using God's temple for something wrong, selling stuff, and he gets a whip, drives them out in anger and says, what do you think you've done? You've turned this into a den of thieves, but God said, this shall be called a house of prayer. God is picky about his atmosphere because it is his father's house. It is him. We may have the deed in the church of God name, but this does not belong to us. This is the house of the Lord. And he is picky about the atmosphere. God is not going to show up where people are going to waste what he pours out. He is not wanting a church that as he begins to pour out, they let it go to waste. It's like taking water and pouring it on the ground. What good is the water on the ground? It is useless to me when I am thirsty, when the Holy Spirit rains down, when the wind comes in, when the fire falls and those tongues of fire are just dancing around. What in the world is God looking for? He is looking for an atmosphere ready for that. But so often we... We just let it be poured out and wasted. That's right. You got somebody over here sleeping. I had one guy that used to go to sleep on me every service. And it ain't because I'm quiet. I'm loud. That guy fell asleep on me in one service. I decided, I said, you know what? I'm going to get his tail. And I walked by him and I clapped my hands as hard as I could. I'd walk out in the aisle. I'd get right over there to Brother Larry and I'd say, Hallelujah! And Larry would just jerk a little bit and throw his hand up. I'm sick of it. When God is pouring out in the atmosphere and all that we can do is sleep, my God, help us. How in the world can we sleep when there's a God like that in the middle of our, uh, in the middle of our church service? Or, or maybe there's an environment where there's... God's pouring out His Spirit and we say to my, Yeah, I'll be there for my hair appointment at 6 o'clock tomorrow. We sitting here texting while the Holy Spirit's trying to pour down on the church. What kind of atmosphere is that, ladies and gentlemen? It's a wasted atmosphere. It is not an atmosphere that is conducive to seeing the power of the Holy Spirit move in our lives. Are they talking to somebody? Are they cutting up? Are they acting like they've got other things that are more important to do than to come to the house of God? God is picky about His atmosphere. We have to make sure that the atmosphere is right. He wants to make sure we set an atmosphere according to his desires. What is God wanting to do? He shows up the places where he is loved. He shows up the places where he knows that you're everything to me, Jesus. You mean it all. He shows up in churches where leadership and leadership teams understand clearly, without you we cannot do nothing. Without you, what we do is useless. We have to have your power, God. We have to have your anointing. He shows up in the middle of a people that are lifting up their hands and saying, God, I need you more today than I did yesterday. I need you. He shows up where he's loved. He shows up where there is unity in the house. I have pastored since I was 21 years old. 
And I've often wondered, what in the world would it be like to have one service like Acts chapter 2? Because I've never quite seen one. Because in Acts chapter 2, something special happens that we don't see very often. Everybody that showed up had one thing in mind. And that was that the Holy Spirit would come and do whatever the Holy Spirit wanted to do in their lives. What would happen if we could walk into one service at Gap Hill where everybody had been praying that morning and saying, God, would you please just show up and show out and show us how great of a God that you are be in our midst if we would learn to set the stage. Go ahead and get the temperature right. Go ahead and get our attitudes right. Get our hearts right. Create in me a clean heart. Give me a right spirit, Lord. If we could just do that, what would God do in one service? I am convinced that miracles would happen like we've never seen before. We've often wondered what has happened to the United States of America. What has happened to our Western civilization? What has happened to our churches? You go overseas and missionaries will come back and they'll tell you the stories. Many of them are the same way. The one pastor that went over there And they told him, said, we just want to become like you. Just teach us how to become like you. Just pray that God would make us like you. To which he looked at them and said, I'm going to pray for you, but I will not pray that you become like us. He said, because in America, we don't worship like you do. And in America, we don't have services like you do. So I will pray for you that the Lord would move among you, but I will not pray that he will make you like us. What a heart-stirring thought. Because when we pray today, we don't have to pray for lunch. We've already got it made at home. Or we've already got money in the bank and we're ready to go out. But over there where God's moving, they're having to pray because they don't know where their meal's going to come from today. They don't even know if they're going to eat. Do you see the difference That is why their atmosphere is constantly changed to an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. It is conducive to the work of the Holy Spirit because they are in a position that they know that if God doesn't show up, they cannot make it. They cannot survive without Him. God, help us in the church of America to get back to a place on our knees in prayer that we say, God, whatever happens to me, I don't care. I just need your Holy Spirit in my life. Do whatever it takes to get me there. I've got to have the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, help Pastor Jimmy. I'm honored today. I'm humbled today that a great God would show up in our midst and fill this house with His presence today. The atmosphere of Pentecost is so special because it is one of expectancy, meaning anticipation. In other words, you wait for Him. What is anticipation? We got a lot of babies around here, right? I love babies. If I can get to the baby, I will steal the baby and walk around with the baby before you get the baby. I bought Mila Jane a little toy, and she sees it every time and says, Shimmy. That's right. That's me. Ha ha. We got babies all over the place. And I love that. But there's nothing like when mama's getting big 
I mean, just, just a, a great shape, you know, it's just a little, all right, this beautiful baby bump, you don't look like you've gained one pound. Honey, you look better than you've ever looked before, and she's ready to slap you. She said, you know you're lying to me. That baby's on the way. Do you know what makes us so excited? It's the expectancy. It's the anticipation that we are about to meet what is inside of her. And so when that baby is born, all we can do is wait. And then you're in the middle of the grocery store. And she says, oh my gosh, my water broke. And you're like, what? And you rush her to the hospital. The whole time you've been waiting and anticipating for this day. You've been waiting for weeks. It can happen anytime. This is what a spirit of Pentecost and atmosphere of Pentecost will do when we get him in the house. We will walk in the services saying, oh my gosh. I've got expectancy today. I have an anticipation today. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know that God is in that house. And then the Bible said in Acts chapter 2, they're in the upper room, and when the atmosphere is right, suddenly, suddenly, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit fills the house. Expectancy is a breeding ground for miracles. I know it's on the way. We have to lift our expectation. Expect more. Expect greater. Dream bigger. Don't settle for less. God has more for you. When you get ready for Pentecost, and I'm going to leave you with these three thoughts, and I'm done. The atmosphere of Pentecost is one of three things. Number one, it is one of prayer. There needs to be time and place for prayer in our lives. If we, pastor made a wise statement many years ago, and he said, you need to set your own calendar, pastor, because if you don't set your calendar, other people will set it for you. And unless you're a person in leadership, you don't understand that. But if you are today, you understand. That means people will take all of your time. You have to intentionally make sure that you have time for Him. Because that's priority. You can't help other people if you ain't got help from Him. I'm useless to you if I'm useless to God. I gotta have Him in my life. And so we have to set time for God. We have to be intentional. Get a place for prayer in our life. Don't let other things distract you or pull you away from God. Be focused on the intended encounter that God wants you to have with the Holy Spirit. It is Jacob that is fighting with God and wrestling and he grabs a hold to him and says, I will not let you go until you bless me. It is being intentional, being focused on this encounter. You will never access the promises of God without a praying spirit. Prayer will cost you some things. It's not easy to pray, folks. I mean, listen. It's the best sleeping pill that a doctor doesn't prescribe. If you want to sleep, you don't need medicine. All you need to do is pray loud enough that the devil can hear you and he'll sing you a lullaby. Under your breath, Jesus, I thank you today. Best sleeping pill ever. Just getting 
in a frame of prayer because Satan hates it. It's the best sleeping pill. God help us today. You just pray. The devil cannot stand it because he knows that prayer creates an atmosphere for the Spirit of God to move in and see pursuit is proof of passion. When you begin to pursue after God, I'm not just waiting on God, ladies and gentlemen. No, 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 no. I want to chase after God. There's a difference. I can sit here and say, God, I'm waiting on you to do it. I'm waiting. I can get that on my knees and say, God, I'm chasing after you. I'm not waiting on you to bring it to me. I'm going to come to where you are. And you're like David as a deer pants for the water bros. So my soul is panting for you, God. I've got to be in your presence. I've got to have you in my life. It is setting an atmosphere. Prayer is the way to do it. The question I have to ask myself is, what is getting all my time? How hungry are we to pursue His presence? How hungry are we to pursue an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? The year is 1906. There's a move of God that takes place. They still have a little tiny monument. It's a shame. That's all they have. But they do have a little monument in California, surprisingly enough. But it's the Azusa Street Revival. There was a guy named William J. Seymour who the newspapers called an illiterate one-eyed Negro. Was exactly the way they wrote about William J. Seymour. They made a mockery of that man. But William J. Seymour had one desire, and that was to see the Holy Spirit, to create an atmosphere that Pentecost could operate in. He had read about it in Acts 2. He had read about it in the Bible. He wanted to experience. So William J. Seymour began to guess what he began to do. He began to pray. And I quote what Seymour said, quote, such a hunger to have a move of God was in my heart that I prayed for five hours a day for two and a half years. Process that for just a minute. Five hours a day. Many said the old cart where they stacked the milk cartons that that man would get down on his knees in between those milk carts and they would report and they would say this one-eyed illiterate Negro is down on his knees. His head is between his knees in between the cartons of milk and he is praying and seeking God for a revival. But guess what happened at Azusa Street in 1906 all the way to 1915? For over eight years, a revival broke out and people from all over the world came to Azusa Street Revival. And it started with one man, five hours a day, two and a half years, preparing for an atmosphere that God could move in. Secondly, as I close going to the piano, the atmosphere of Pentecost is one of alignment in the Spirit. We've got to get our heart pure, church. We've got to get serious about this thing. If we want to go through the motions, that's fine. That's all we'll ever have. But if we really want Pentecost, we need to get our heart pure. We need to take our seat and not be in the way of what God's doing. We need God to be the driver. We do our part, but it's not about us anyhow, ladies and gentlemen. It's about Jesus. It's about the working of the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with us. Be sure you're operating in God's purpose for your life. Do your part. 
It's been said God can use a weak person, but He cannot use a wicked one. We've got to be in alignment. And last but not least, the atmosphere of Pentecost was one of unity. Listen, no division doesn't mean uniformity. Does everybody understand what that means? No division doesn't mean uniformity. One man said, quote, God created diversity to test our unity. Different cultures, different languages, different raising. And God sits back and says, if I can get those folks to come together and worship one God, one Jesus, one Savior and seek after one Holy Spirit. If I can get those people from all different backgrounds to come together and agree, then that is an atmosphere in which I will be able to move. Look at Revelation 7. This is what God said. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too many to count, from every nation, every tribe, all the people, different languages, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and they held palm branches in their hand and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and four living beings and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground. They worshiped God. They sang, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the 24 elders asked me, John, said, who are these who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? I said to him, sir, sir, you are the one who knows. And then he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation, but they have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white as snow. In heaven in the last days, what we see in the picture where he is being worshiped around the throne it is a vast crowd, but it is a beautiful atmosphere because they are different colors, they are different backgrounds, they are different cultures. They even speak different languages before they got here. But they all have one purpose, and that is to say all glory and honor to the one that sits on the throne. Do you understand? That is what unity is. It does not mean that we're not different because we are different. It doesn't mean that we don't like different things because we like different things. It doesn't mean that you don't like a song he sang this morning because you may not have. You may not even like the sermon I'm preaching today. But I got a person on Facebook that does. And he has stirred me to either make y'all mad because I preached too long. I don't know what's going to happen. When you get together, and it's not about any of those things. These are just pieces to the puzzle. This is just part of a typical worship service. But the main focus is, God, we need to lift up your name. We need the gl all glory and honor be to you. I may not preach a perfect sermon. You may hit a wrong note every now and then. But as long as we're lifted up, the name of Jesus Christ and he is glorified. We are setting an atmosphere of Pentecost in our church. I'm going to leave you with this. Let's all stand as I close. We are part of a great symphony today. A symphony that God has designed. A, a symphony. They all play their part. They all build together.
a lot of different instruments, a lot of different people. But they produce a melody together. What they produce together is far greater than what they could ever produce alone. Oh, one sax is pretty, but when you get ten saxes playing in perfect harmony, it takes it to another level. And when you get ten of those trumpets going with those saxes, and the flutes go in and you've got this symphony my gosh every piece just begins to make it sound better and better as together they produce one melody in the Guinness's World Book of Record today if you were to look up the largest symphony this is what you would find on November the 20th 2021 Venezuela system of youth and children's orchestras known as El Sistema 8,000 573 musicians were playing together a beautiful tune. 8,573 people, different backgrounds, different instruments. What I'm telling you is we are diverse today. We like church different than our neighbor does. We'd like to see it this way or that way. Well, I think it's a little hot in here today. And you think it's a little cold. Guess what? It doesn't matter. I was a little too loud today. Pastor, they could cut you up a little bit. Who cares? The point is, when we get our focus right, and that is on this thing we call the, this person, we call the Holy Spirit. And we say, God, this is the atmosphere I want in my church. When we go home and say, this is the atmosphere that I want in my house. I'm going to do whatever it takes, God, to allow the things that are in me to rub off and, and disperse and release into the atmosphere. My question to us as a corporate body is, what did you bring into this service today? What a heart-stirring question. I'm a pastor. I came in with the idea, we're going to have the greatest service we've ever had. But guess what? We haven't yet. We haven't. Let's be, let's be truthful. I meet with pastors on Tuesday mornings. We have little talks. And we go around the, the little Zoom call. Say, how was your service? Last week, oh, man, we had well over you know, 225 people. I and mean, we had a great crowd. It's probably one of the best services we had in months. That's what I said last week. I won't say that this week. We got some people out of town. Y'all act like you're a little tired. I will be just as tired as you about how I get finished with this. Maybe it was an hour extra sleep that we got. Maybe we're a little groggy from that. Groggy from that. At the end of the day, I came in this house saying, we're going to have the best service we've ever had. But what did you bring into this service today? There were 120 people in the upper room. In my text, Acts 1, Acts 2. 120 people. And every one of them had to get on the same page. We want the Holy Spirit to fill this room. What's the point, Pastor? This is my closing thought. I cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. You and him cannot do it alone. 
When we talk about corporate worship and an atmosphere that is set for God to move, guess what? It takes every one of us in this building. You're just as important as the pastor, the worship leader, the musician. You, your part is just as vital, if not more important. Because you are the ones that are going to set the stage for what God is going to do when we come into this house. How many of you want an atmosphere of Pentecost? Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for your Holy Spirit today. I'm asking you that you would give us a heart that would run after God. I am asking you, Holy Spirit, that you would give us a desire. Like Jesus told the disciples, you go and you tarry and you wait in that room until the Holy Spirit comes. For 10 days, they sat in that upper room with anticipation, expectancy, waiting on the promise of the Comforter, along with a few others, totaling 120 people that are in this room. I don't know if it took them 10 days to get together or what happened. Maybe the first service wasn't that good. Maybe the second day didn't work out. Maybe the third. And then the ninth day, and they're saying, come on, guys, we just got to get together. Don't you want the Holy Spirit? Maybe Peter preached a sermon in the upper room and said, let's get together and desire this thing. All I know is on the 10th day, they finally said, we're going to get the climate right. We're going to get the mood right. We're going to get the setting right. We are going to get the atmosphere right. And when they got it right, suddenly, just like that, the Holy Spirit filled that place. Jesus, I'm asking you to do that for us. Sing it, Brian. I'm closing. My hope All of my hope, in it's in the name, the name of Jesus. Jesus. Breakthrough will come. Breakthrough. In the name, the name of Jesus. Jesus. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. All of my hope. The altars are open today if you want time with God. The altars are always open. They're always open. If you want to set a stage for an atmosphere to change in your life, to change in your home, to change in your family, to change in your church, now is your moment. Set the stage. Get the climate right. Pray that God would put in you what you need inside of you to set the stage that suddenly the Holy Spirit can come into the house and fill the place. God turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around. Oh, God turn it around. Oh, God turn it around. God turn it around. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Jesus, and all of my hope is in the name.
turn it around. God, turn it around. Turn it around. God, turn it around. Turn it around. God, turn it around. He is up to something. He is up to something. He is up to something. God is doing something right now. He is up to something. He is up to something. God is doing something right now. He is healing someone. He is saving someone. God is doing something right now. He is healing someone. He is saving someone. God is doing something right now. He is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing something right now. He is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing something right now. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for your children. We pray that our heart's desire would be to please you. Our heart's desire would be to serve you. Our heart's desire would be the created atmosphere that we walk into this building every single week with anticipation. Your Holy Spirit is here to bless us. Your Holy Spirit has been sent to change things for us. And so today, Father, we're inviting you into this house. And we're asking you, Lord, that you would help us as Christians. That every time we walk in, if there are things that should not be in us, let us shake those things off, rebuke them in the name of Jesus. And let us walk in praising and glorifying God for the great things that he is going to do among his people. And I praise you for it. If you accept that, say amen today. God bless you is our prayer.